HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. For more information, visit corin.com. Welcome to Spill and Dish, a new podcast from the Specialty Food Association. Founded in 1952, SFA is the leading trade association and source of information about the $175 billion specialty food industry. We champion the food producers, retailers, and other buyers who make up the specialty food world. If you want to know more about membership, visit specialtyfood.com. In each episode, we want to share the stories behind the products made and sold by our members who are helping shape the future of food. You can listen and discover the inspiration, recipe, craft, culture, ingredients, and production methods that help answer the question, what makes specialty food special? I'm today's host, Megan Rooney, Education Manager at SFA. We're excited to bring you today's episode and so happy to be working with Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit podcast network covering the world of food, drink, and agriculture, and expanding the way eaters think about food. Today's guest is Christy Middleton, Vice President of Business Development for Rebellious Foods. Rebellious Foods creates ready-to-heat nuggets, patties, and tenders that cook just like breaded chicken products with a mission of meatless for all. Aside from being the author of Meatless, Transform the Way You Eat and Live, One Meal at a Time, she's launched the successful rebrand of Seattle Food Tech to Rebellious Foods and commercialized three SKUs for retail and four for food service. Welcome to Spill and Dish, Christy. It's so great to be here. Thanks so much, Megan. We're so happy to have you here, and it's great to speak with you again. Um, We saw you at the summer show and you were amazing to speak during basics um, and just teach our attendees about food service. So I'd love to jump right in with our first interview question, which is what does Rebellious Foods produce? Thanks, Megan. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun being involved in the Specialty Foods Association community. I really enjoyed the conversation at Fancy Food Show. So thanks so much for that privilege. Um, at Rebellious Foods, we make juicy, crispy, and affordable plant-based chicken nuggets, patties, and tenders. 
And the products are such that you can easily prepare them in your home kitchen or in a food service operation, just like you would a chicken nugget, a chicken patty, or chicken tender, but they're made entirely from plant-based sources. So they're free of antibiotics, hormones, and cholesterol while at the same time being packed with protein. So healthy and convenient. That's awesome. Can you tell me a little bit about your background and how you got involved with Rebellious? Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a long journey getting here. So um, prior to being with Rebellious Foods, I was with a nonprofit that was helping institutions get plant-based options on their menus. So primarily schools, hospitals, colleges and universities, business cafeterias, and in a lot of instances, um, contract food service management companies like Aramark, Sodexo, and Compass Group. And your listeners may not be familiar with those as household names, but they've likely dined with them because they serve the foods at um, hospitals, colleges, universities, businesses, uh, at more than 10 million locations across the, the United States collectively. So we would go in at this nonprofit and initially help educate the providers on the benefits of having more plant-based options on their menus. But eventually it got to the point where everybody kind of recognized that they needed to have these options on their menus and they needed the tools for how to actually do that. So we started providing hands-on culinary training, getting in the kitchen with the chefs or um, sometimes with line cooks or even teaching directors and dietitians how to make plant-based options. But consistently, we were hearing that they love the recipes, they love the menu ideas, but there are realities to busy back of houses in kitchens. And that is that they often don't have the time, the staff, the budget, or the equipment to do a lot of scratch cooking. And as much as they would like to be offering those kinds of healthy, fresh options, mostly needed quick heat and serve options. And a you know, story that resonated with me so much was actually this happened multiple times. I would be in school kitchens and they literally didn't have any cooking equipment aside from a baking sheet. So, or, you know, no, no measuring cups, no measuring spoons where you could do scratch cooking if you wanted to. So we started talking to these operators about what the most popular menu options were and no surprise, chicken nuggets, chicken patties, pizza, mm -hmm. burgers, those were consistently your perennial favorites. Um, yet they said that if there were plant-based versions of those products that still had the same taste, texture, and accept acceptability, and that were available through broadline distribution, and lastly, that were widely affordable, then they would be delighted to switch to those instead of the conventional animal-based products that they were serving that may not have the healthiest ingredients um, or most recognizable ingredients. And so at the time um, with this nonprofit, the CEO and founder of Seattle Food Tech, which is now Rebellious Foods, was one of our volunteers. And she was many of the people who I talked to over the years about this problem. A lot of people looked into um, what the barriers were and why nobody else was actually creating affordable plant-based chicken products. But Christy, um, our founder, is a former mechanical engineer for Boeing, where she used to work on the 777 X-Wing. And so she looked at it from a macro level and determined that a lot of the issues have to do with manufacturing technology and that currently plant-based meat and plant-based chicken in particular is typically produced on manufacturing equipment that was designed for producing meat. And that creates a much more expensive pro uh, process 
also an inconsistent process. So not only are we creating these delicious products, but we're also redefining the way that the meat itself is produced by creating novel production equipment. So as I said, it's been a long journey getting here. Once um, Christy got the funding for the company, she invited mm -hmm. me to join. And while I love the work that I was doing with the nonprofits, um, I you know, found that this was a great opportunity to continue that work in a way that actually made it easier for those operators who I just loved working with to be able to come to the solutions that we were hoping that they could get to. Excellent. Yeah. So it's really clear that what you've learned in your past career has helped you to run rebellious. How many years have you been in the industry? Uh, well, I guess it, if you count the nonprofit, uh, it's been over a decade. Uh, I've been with Rebellious for coming up on four years at the end of this year. And it's been a very interesting ride, of course, uh, as many people have experienced with COVID. We, we set out initially to serve the food service marketplace. That was where we were hoping that we would be able to make a difference in the world. We are a mission-oriented company and you know, we not only want to put out products that are delicious, but we also want to solve what we feel like is a very big problem in our food industry. Um, but of course, because of the pandemic, things changed a little bit. We got into retail a uh, few years before we initially intended to. And um, you now it's kind of opened us up to lots of different opportunities. And now that food services come back online pretty much in full swing, we're now pursuing both channels. Where did your love of food come from, more specifically plant-based food? Well, my love of food definitely came from it being a family affair. Some of my fondest memories are going to visit my grandparents in um, North Carolina. Um, my, uh, my grandmother and great-grandmother grew up in New Mexico, and so we would make um, fresh flour tortillas. And even today, when I go back and visit my family on the East Coast, I'm in California now, um, we basically make breakfast. And while we're making breakfast, we talk about what we're going to make for lunch and dinner. <laughs> so it's definitely something that's in, in my bones. Um, <laughs> in terms of plant-based food, well, I became a vegetarian in college after a college marketing professor was describing euphemisms. And the example that she gave was meat. And she said that if most people um, use the what you know describe meat as what it really is, which is the flesh of dead animals, and probably far fewer people would want to eat it. And you know, of course, I, I knew where meat came from, but that really spoke to me. And every time I sat down to eat meat after that, that's what would come to mind. So I became a vegetarian, and then once I learned about factory farming and the way that we're mass producing animals. Um, you know, putting egg-laying hens in tiny cages and mother pigs in tiny crates that are so tightly confined that they can't even turn around for their entire lives. I decided that that's what I wanted to devote my career to. And so I started working in um, advocacy and promoting a plant-based diet and the, the rest is history. Um, the fun thing about it though, is I feel like we've made so much progress um, 20 years ago or more when I started working in this space, I would have never believed it if you told me that we would be seeing things like uh, an impossible Whopper at Burger Burger King or mm -hmm. orange chicken from a plant-based company at Panda Express. So things have changed dramatically over the years, and there are a lot more products that are coming into the marketplace, some that are better than others, but it's really exciting to see all the progress that this movement is, is having. 
Yeah, I agree. Plant-based foods are everywhere and they've really become staples in many people's diets, even if they aren't entirely plant-based. As you mentioned, you've really seen the world of plant-based food progress since you started your career. What were some of the obstacles that you faced in bringing your brand to market? Well, I would say for a fledgling brand, um, one of the obstacles that we continue to run into is distribution. Um, it's something that folks have asked if, if I wasn't working in this particular space, what sort of innovation would I like to see? And it really would be trying to find alternative channels to distribution. It's a, a perennial chicken and egg issue. We talk to potential customers mm-hmm. um, and they want the product and they need to know what distributors to get it through. And then we talk to distributors and they want the customers. So it, it's definitely something that we have run into a lot that, you know, we continue to experience, but our distribution opportunities are broadening. So it's exciting to see that our products are now available in retail on both coast and in between. And we've got some exciting plans or signing announcements that will be coming down the pipeline here soon. Um, that's at the retail level. And then on the food service side, um, mostly we're available on the West Coast and we have some East Coast distribution and starting to fill in in the middle as well. Um, but but distribution has been one of the biggest challenges and certainly welcome um, alternative modes of distribution to the typical channels. And are there any things distribution-wise or more broadly than that that you would do differently if you could start over? Interesting question. You know, I feel like, you know, all, all of being involved in a startup is learning and pivoting. And when we identify something that we can do differently or should do differently, the, the fun part about being a startup is you can. You can, you know, be nimble and um, change directions. You know, it, it certainly would have helped uh, if we didn't have to move into retail at the time that we did, because, you know, we're, we're still looking for the exact right product market fit. And, you know, I, I said that we had to go into retail and that was because most schools, hospitals, universities, entertainment venues where we did have some traction shut down. And so we mm-hmm. had to continue to bring in revenue and so went into retail. And it is a very difficult place to stand out, as I'm sure you and your members know, um, that there's so many people who need to take a a piece of the pie in order to make your business viable and the margins are extremely thin. So I feel like, um, you know, it would have been nice to have a little bit more cushion around our food service before we went into retail and and started having to spend more money on brand awareness and marketing. Um, but you know, here we are today. And as I said, we've built, um, we will be soon in over a thousand locations. We're building brand awareness. We're building a growing fan base and consistently getting great feedback on the product. And I'm, I'm excited to see where the brand goes. And I should add that we are a 2021, um, winner of the Sophie award for best plant-based, best new plant-based protein. So thanks for that. Of course. Yeah. Congrats on that award. What was the biggest surprise about getting involved in the specialty food trade? Another really good question. So, you know, I I think that there is this perception that plant-based foods are a niche product. 
Um, and, you know, they, they traditionally have been, but we're definitely starting to see that market open up to, as you said, people who are not just vegetarian or vegan, but people who are eating that way some of the time because they want to experience the health benefits or they want to have a lighter footprint on the environment. Um, what I feel like is, is becoming increasingly surprising is the number of players who are in our category who are um, starting to surface. It just feels like every day we're seeing more and more companies who are doing plant-based meat and even more specifically plant-based chicken. So trying to find our unique brand position and um, and stand out it is becoming increasingly challenging. And that's one of the things that I found very valuable about attending the Fancy Food Show is that even though there are so many players in the space and, and burgeoning um, in the space, there weren't as many direct competitors at the show. And so it was a very welcome environment for us to be able to target or talk to distributors, retailers, et cetera, um, as, and have more of a unique voice at the show. Totally. Um, what was the biggest um, way that your brand has evolved since you started? Um, I know that you were a big part of the rebrand. And can you just tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So, you know, when we were founded and we are a venture funded company, one of the key issues, as I talked about, we were trying to address is the manufacturing technology. And so that's why the company was named Seattle Food Tech, um, a nod to where we are headquartered, but also that we're focusing on the manufacturing technology. Um, when I joined the team, part of my responsibility is marketing and PR. And you know, one of the things that we know is that most people don't really want to think about where their food comes from. And even though most food is made in a factory setting, um, thinking about food technology is not something that really whets your appetite. So we worked with the branding agency to come up with something that really did resonate with who we are, both Christy and myself, and really everyone who's part of our team, and we call it the rebellion, um, we're, we're here to make a difference in the world. And so the, the name Rebellious really resonated with us because it's all about rebelling against the current way that food is produced, and in particular, that chicken is produced and creating a better future and a more sustainable and affordable way to produce these products. And also it's spelled R-E-B-E-L-L-Y-O-U-S. And we like to say that the rebellion starts in the belly because we wanted to make sure that, and we knew that if we wanted to make a difference in the world by helping people eat less meat, it had to taste really good. And that's something that we're really proud of. We also are continuing to evolve the brand and you know things have changed even just over the last few years since we started the um, since we changed the name of the company and looking at um, who who is the the target market who it is that's interested in our product so we have some fun new announcements that we'll be making soon about our brand and the direction in which we're going awesome and talking more about evolution and a new direction where do you find inspiration for new flavors and products we hear it from our customers. 
Um, right now, we have, as you mentioned, um, the three SKUs for retail. We have nuggets, patties, and tenders, and they all have the kind of classic flavor, which is a, a flour breading with a kind of pepper um, note to it and some paprika. And when you bite into it, that juicy burst of flavors you would expect when you're eating a chicken nugget. So subtle, mm-hmm. but you can taste the chicken. Um, and then we also have the same SKUs for food service, as well as a line of products for K through 12 food service. So they meet the uh, National School Lunch Program guidelines and offer to meet, meet alternate credits. We have um, nuggets, patties, and tenders, and the patties and tenders are brand new products that we're just rolling out. We're excited that we're excited that we are just starting to fulfill orders for the coming school year. And those were as a result of requests from our customers. They were saying that the nuggets were awesome. Many schools are now just serving them as their nuggets, not even calling them out as plant-based, which is really exciting. But they felt like nuggets are kid food and tenders and patties are more in line with what their um, middle school or high school students would be looking for. And the patties also offer additional form factors that you can use for things, um, not just a sandwich, but you can make, um, you know, uh, put some marinara on it and cheese if you are not eating entirely vegan diet and make it a, a chicken parm. Um, put it on top of some pasta or you could put the tenders on a salad. So there are lots of different ways that you can actually use the products. And those were developed specifically because customers were requesting it. Wonderful. Yeah, it's amazing how versatile your products are. And also, I just love the idea of building that brand loyalty in children um, so early on. It's really cool. Yeah, truly. It, you know, and it's something that I am really passionate about because, you know, when I was a, a little kid uh, in school, the, the and, and really in many schools these days, the plant-based option is a peanut butter and jelly or now sunflower spread mm-hmm. and, and jelly sandwich or a bean and cheese burrito. Some schools, they might have a veggie burger, but there aren't really very many options. So with so many um, health organizations environmental organizations, the World Health Organization, folks like that saying, we need to eat less meat. We need to make sure that there are easy solutions that are available and make things that people are actually going to want to eat. So it is very exciting to see that now kids all across the country will be able to eat these delicious foods that are also better for them, setting them up for hopefully a better path toward um, a healthful life and also something that's a little bit lighter on the environment. I love that mission so much. I'm a former teacher. And just as you said, the only option that I ever saw was a sun butter sandwich every single day for kids. Um, So this is just wonderful. Uh, As a final question, what do you want people to know about Rebellious that they might not already know? I think the thing that surprises most people is that we are the only company that is addressing the manufacturing technology aspect. And if you're not, you know, an in, in equipment geek or somebody who's really interested in the how stuff works process, um, it may not sound that interesting or exciting, but what we've developed is a process that will, at very near point in the future, once we've deployed the technology, be both a continuous process. So it allows for um, basically the ingredients to come in on, go in on one end 
and come out on the other end um, as a you know, finished product before it goes into the par fryer. Um, and it also does not have to be refrigerated. So it's better for workers. It cuts down on labor. It cuts down on waste, but also will allow us to reduce the price so that we are at parity or even less cost than the price of chicken. And right now, plant-based meat is two to five times the cost of animal-based meat. So for all the reasons that we know we should be eating less meat and more plants, we're just never going to get people to switch if it means that they have to pay two to five times more than they're currently paying for their favorite foods. And so at the end of the day, we believe that the only way we're going to win is if we can get to price parity. And that's one of the things that Rebellious is here to do. Incredible. What amazing work. We're almost out of time, but before you go, we'd like for you to participate in our final segment, Take 5, five questions for our guest. First, let's, let's pause for a break. Today's program is brought to you by Corin, a supplier of Japanese chef knives and restaurant supplies. Corin is proud of their Japanese culture and traditions, but they want you to know that their products are not just for Japanese restaurants. Their knives and tableware bring out the best qualities of food from every culture and fit into every restaurant from French to Pan-Asian to American. And that is why they're located in New York City, where people from every country in the world come to eat. Corin's Tribeca showroom is home to the most extensive collection of Japanese chef knives in the world, including Japan. Stop by to view their exquisitely designed tableware and the rarest natural sharpening stones. They have a whole range of knife services from repair and rust removal to reshaping and realigning. Corin is dedicated to this ideal, bringing the highest quality Japanese design to your table so you can experience the unparalleled quality of Japanese craftsmanship in your home or restaurant. For more information, visit Corin.com. Welcome back. I'm Megan Rooney of SFA speaking with Christy Middleton of Rebellious Foods. Let's jump into five questions for our final segment, Take Five. First question, what is your favorite thing about the specialty food industry? The community. It's just a real joy to get to work with people who are there to support one another. And I um, love being part of that. You know, obviously there's some competition in the space, but um, at the end of the day, you need a favor, you need a connection. People are willing to help you out. And uh, you can't say that about every sector of the industry. I totally agree. Two, what is one thing that SFA has made easier for you as a specialty food business owner? Making connections again, um, you know, going to the shows, we, we made a connection at, um, the winter fancy food show that ended up fomenting into a wonderful connection with a retailer that is now starting to bring in our products. So, um, it, it's an opportunity to meet with other like-minded businesses and help each other out. Love to hear it. Third question. If you weren't running a business, what would you be doing? So I know you mentioned finding alternative channels of distribution, but is there anything else? Uh, If it was just purely for pleasure, baking sourdough bread, which I started doing before it was cool. (laughs) Before quarantine. Right. That's great. Number four, what's the one piece of advice you'd give a new food business? 
make lots of friends. Um, you know, I, again, I cannot speak enough about the value of connections and always be nice to people because you never know where they're going to end up. Um, I have done so much work within the food service industry with folks who may have been, uh, you know, food service manager at a small high school who go on to be the director at an entire district somewhere or at a small restaurant company who go on to be the CEO at a large QSR. So make friends everywhere, help other people out, do favors because you never know when you're going to need a favor in return. It's so true. Great advice. And the last question, how do you define specialty food? Oh, that one's tough, Megan. Um, I would say food that's non-conventional. So anything that's a little bit outside of the box, it doesn't necessarily have to mean that it's gourmet, but something that's um, a little bit yeah, outside of the box. You aced it, Christy. <laughs> Thank you so much. And thanks again for speaking with me today. Before we go, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Well, you can find more information on our website, which is rebellious.com. And don't forget, that's with the B-E-L-L-Y in the middle. Um, we are available now on both coasts at Albertson Safeway Banners in the Midwest at Julasco and in the Pacific Northwest at Whole Foods. And you can also buy our products online um, from GTFO It's Vegan. And the link to that is right there on our um, homepage on our website. Beautiful. And you can find out more about this show at specialtyfood.com and heritageradionetwork.org. Remember to follow wherever you get your podcasts. Come back often to get to know the people who are shaping the future of food. And if you are in the food industry yourself, consider becoming a member of SFA by visiting our membership section on specialtyfood.com. Special thanks to Rebellious Foods and to Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. This is Spill and Dish, a Specialty Food Association podcast. Spill and Dish is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.